Welcome to Like Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Hi, Meredith. Hi. How are you? Oh, boy. I'm wonderful. We got to jump right into it because we have so much to discuss on this episode, guys. So, so much. Not only are we going to do our best of 2023 film lists, not only are we going to do our Oscar predictions. Uh, I'm also going to briefly, spoiler-free, rant about Dune, because obviously. Because, yeah, because you have a mental illness and you've been uh-huh. waiting and forever for this and yep. you finally got to see it. I've been mentally ill since, yeah. my entire life. I've finally been diagnosed with Dune fever. Um, there's no cure other than seeing Dune a bunch, which I already have. I've seen it twice. And, uh, spoiler, I fucking love it, but I'm going to rant generally about it. No spoilers, obviously, because, uh, I recognize most of you are not mentally ill in the way I am and you have not seen it. Uh, hope you're planning to see it. But before we get into all of that, quickly wanted to read uh, a comment from, uh, one of my Patreon supporters, which I haven't talked about my Patreon in a while. Guys, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month, you get VIP access. That means you get to comment truly whenever you want with recommendations, general comments, questions, stuff like that. So Brian sent in a recommendation for the YouTube the YouTuber Lily Simpson, which I immediately read as Lisa Simpson. It's not, everybody. It's Lily Simpson. She has a channel themed around media analysis, usually with a focus on trans and gender nonconforming issues, exemplified in her main series, the trans episode of Insert Show Here. The title isn't always entirely accurate, as sometimes the plot of the episode or episodes of the given show aren't actually about trans issues or don't feature a trans character per se, but it's rather about a cross-dressing plot or a body swap where the setting allows for it. The channel was how I learned that in the over 100 uh, plus years history of the medium of television, the most overtly transphobic program of all time, at least in the English language, was How I Met Your Mother. Also... SpongeBob Mm -hmm. is kind of gross in the area. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oddly, however, Two and a Half Men and Charlie Sheen's sitcom was actually mostly positive. Who would have seen that coming? Truly not me. Um, I'm not surprised about How I Met Your Mother. Uh, I'm shocked Friends isn't on there. Yes. Uh, I I will say, though, if you're looking, thank you for this. I completely believe you uh, that How I Met Your Mother is extremely transphobic Uh, if you want a funny read like one that will make you laugh for hours there is a new york times wedding story about josh radner yes ted from how i met your mother about his wedding Mm -hmm. oh my god if you want to (laughs) know It is written in a way that you can tell not only did the journalist that was covering this wedding hate these people, (laughs) everyone at the wedding, including their families, hate these people. He's exactly who you think he is. Yeah. Um, There were like intention cards. Oh, my God. Uh, They got married on January 6th because they needed to, they decided to 
rebrand it. The worst. Uh, You're not going to rebrand yeah. it. Nobody thinks of January 6th as your wedding day now. I'm sorry. Now you just have the same date as the insurrection. And of course, the two of them met at a meditation retreat where they both took mushrooms. Of course. Of course so you did. Just please seek it out. Readers, listeners, you are so, so going to love this. Yes. Um, just as a, a total tangent, but trust me, it's worth it. No, that I like that. That's a good recommendation. And this show is all about tangents, baby. That's all we go on. It's fine. Derail this fucking thing. I don't care. I'm not a conductor. I'm one of the insane passengers. Uh, thank you, Brian. As always, anybody who follows me on Patreon, you do that. You get to do that. You skip the line. But truly, anyone who can hear the sound of my voice right now, contact the show with recommendations. Um, you don't get VIP access, but I'll get to you eventually, baby. Eventually. All right. Dune. Oh, my God. It happened. I couldn't believe I was finally getting to watch it. First of all, I was completely shell-shocked the first time I saw it during the fan-only screening uh, February 25th, something like that. I was texting you, Meredith, and I was just like, I can't believe it's been four years and I can't believe I'm actually about to watch this fucking thing. You texted me a literal countdown minute yeah. by minute. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yes, I was saying 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Yep, yeah, I was jazzed. Um, so was every single nerd in the IMAX theater. Uh, first of all, I've said it before, if you're going to do IMAX and you live in New York City, you got to go to Lincoln, baby. It's the biggest screen, IMAX screen in the U.S. So it's like, if you're going to go big, go big, right? So it was sold out. Great energy. Uh, the guy next to me cried. He was very sweet, uh, but he was like feeling a lot of feelings. And he kind of like warned me beforehand. He was like, I'm very excited. I was like, I'm very excited. And he's like, yeah, but I'm real excited. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, sir. Good luck to you. Uh, very nice guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I love when people feel feelings. So like I was jazzed for him. And I've seen it again. I saw it yesterday. Meredith, you are seeing it when? Uh, 3.15 this afternoon. Correct. That's right. Um, I was testing you. I don't know what that meant. Um, yeah, I'm so excited for you. I had to see it again just because I was so sh like in shock the first time. Guys, in my opinion, and look. We can always offer notes, right? We, I think we can have constructive conversations about art, uh, even art that we love very much. I think we should be open to critiquing it. Is Denis Villeneuve necessarily interested in, in the fine details of plot or dialogue or stuff like that? No, no. This man is serving up a visual feast in a blockbuster package unlike anything I've seen in modern cinema history. This is why we go to the movies. There's a line in Dune about how the mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. That's how I watch Denise films. Just let it wash over you. One of the, no, sorry, the best thing I've ever seen in IMAX. One of the best blockbusters I've ever seen. In the words of Nicole Kidman, this is why we go to the movies, guys. This is it. So if you love movies, if you love those big blockbusters, you got to see Dune Part 2. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And and if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, spectacle, like, just remember, 
Denny made Arrival. The guy can make a movie that has plot and sensitivity and oh, is not a massive. And let me be clear. He just is doing a different thing. But let me be clear. This is a very emotional film. I really, really love the characters. I love the culture that he explores. The actors are phenomenal. I mean, these are like Oscar actors. Like we've seen them at the Academy Awards. You know, like this is a pedigree cast. And also, hey, to everybody out there who's like, where are the movie stars? They're in Dune Part 2. This is a new generation of actors coming up who are all extremely exciting in their respective ways. I'm sure they'll all go on to do different stuff, you know, and and might part roads in really exciting ways. Like, who knows what their careers hold in store? The four young main leads fucking eat in this film. Like, Florence admittedly has less to do, but... Z, Austin, and Timmy. Timmy, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. There is a monologue in this film where I was like, holy fucking shit, sir. Like, it's so funny watching all of these film bros suddenly discover Timmy when, like, we've been knowing for a while, you know? But, like, these guys, I guess it's new to them where they're like, hey, holy shit, this guy's like the real. It's like, yes, yeah, we've been saying, we've been saying, you know? But, I don't, I really don't want to get into spoiler shit. There's crazy, crazy stuff that happens in this film that we can talk about once it's been out for a while. Once Meredith has gotten to see it, we can discuss it in all of its spoiler glory. I just want to get it another three times. 100%, at least three times. I gotta, I just want to get the news out early so everybody can still see it while it's in IMAX. This is why you see shit in IMAX. And I'm so excited. I'm so pumped for Denis because now I feel like he's got his blank check. Let's fucking cook. I I'm just man. And I'm so happy that like Nolan has been pumping him up where it's like this guy, here he is. If you're waiting for somebody to fucking come save movies, he's here. You know? Yeah. Rosie agrees with me. Rosie she does. She says, Well, yeah, having watched uh she watched uh Inception with me the other day and she was really into it. So she says, Well, if Nolan says it's good, then I guess we have to listen. Yeah, you have to. You like all of the film bros suddenly were listening when they're like, oh Nolan says it's like, yeah, dummies, come on. Sorry. I don't mean to call you dumb. I'm sure you're all lovely. Uh not all of you. I'm sure some of you are lovely. All right. So uh, my my enthusiasm upon enthusiasm for Dune, go see it. Let's get into Best of twenty. How do you want to do? You want let yeah. Let's end with Oscars. So let's get into yeah, our best of twenty twenty three. Yeah, and we of course we um, waited to do our best of twenty twenty three until the week before the Oscars because at this point a lot of these movies are going to be much more accessible than they were at the end of last year because it's yes. really hard for movies to get released these days, and <laughs> thanks to the absolute decimation of physical movie theaters in the United yeah. States, we want to make sure that it's possible once we've recommended something, there's a decent chance you can actually see it if you need to do it at streaming because it literally never came to where you live. Yeah. And I, I do think it's so important for creators to meet their audiences wherever they are. So like, I think actually streaming is very important for that reason that you just stated. I just think it's also so important to preserve the brick and mortar of the actual theaters because that is like 
that is a cultural experience we can't replicate sitting at home alone, you know? No, uh, I completely And I think it's agree. dangerous, actually, if we if we take away the social aspect of art like that. I think it's actually super bad. Um, I could go on a long tangent about this. Let's not get into it. I thought what was very funny about us creating our lists is our honorable mention lists are so much longer than our top 10 list because guys so much good shit came out which is exciting but i also it made me respect people who make top 10 lists uh, way more because i can't do it apparently i just want to keep adding shit but let's start let's just do a countdown starting from 10 of the best films of 2023 um number 10 for me and you know what i told you meredith to rank your list i'm looking at mine and i don't know if i have it accurately ranked in terms of how long i've sat with some of the films and had time to think and process them so don't hold my feet to the fire too much about (laughs) oh you thought film x was better than film y not necessarily when i made this list maybe but anyway caveat 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 number 10 for me is the zone of interest uh okay fucking devastating film as as you would uh, imagine a film about Auschwitz would be uh and the the monster behind Auschwitz and his family who's just like living their best lives next door to a death camp um spectacular performances easily the best use of sound editing in a film of the year if they don't win that category at the Oscars I'll be shocked um and I have to say like a really skillfully, artfully done film in terms of like the source material and how it was approached. I know there's been a lot of critiques of the film, positive and negative, about not showing what's actually happening in the death camps. To me, that's the whole purpose of the film. This is how this family lived that reality and how a lot of us uh, are living today with what's happening, uh, you know, in Gaza, like that kind of atrocity happening not very far away uh, and how we're just, you know, going to the movies and, and, you know, uh, ordering our little uh, breakfast meals and there's unimaginable horrors happening uh, just on the other side of the wall. And yeah, I, this film like haunts me, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's funny that you put it at number 10 because it is much higher up on my list. Um, I decided this is a tough one for me because if I was thinking about movies that I, that just affected me, I would have put my number 10 higher, but do you want to put a pin in it since it's higher on your list? Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about it. It's actually, the zone of interest was actually my number one film (laughs) for the year. Okay. (laughs) Wow. You had a dark year. I... (laughs) I well, but I was so affected, and it led me to spend so much time thinking about how incapable we are of actually recognizing the scope of of destruction and yeah. horror mm-hmm. when something is happening, and how hard our brains work to compartmentalize genocide, suffering destruction, disaster in a way that allows us to continue living our lives and how devastating it is to let that in. And so I think it ended up as my number one because 
that's the only thing that we've been living in in 2023 and, and into 2024 between the a second year of the war in Ukraine and Russia actually having military successes. And then you add in the genocide in Gaza. Everything about what is happening in the world right now is people trying to find a way to go about their business without actually paying attention to the screams and gunshots that exist. And so for me, I thought it felt especially like particularly essential compared to other times. So it might have ended up lower on my list in a different context, but because of how bad things are at the moment, I feel like it deserved my number one pick. And I thought the deliberate connection with Holocaust museums was really powerful because it, it does hold the audience particularly accountable, like staring at you down the tunnel of time and space to be like, and this is how we now consume right. atrocities. The, we are the only, we have decided that the only way we can actually deal with this level of violence and evil is to wait decades and put it in a museum because to actually confront it at the time is beyond our actual capacity as human beings. Um, uh, and I it's just so think much. that's something <laughs> yeah. I know it is, it yeah. is rough. And I, I but feel it like is I could brilliant. talk about it forever. We got to move though. We got so much. Yeah. Some might say we, we have too much scheduled for this episode, but uh, number nine for me, uh, speaking of meeting audiences where they're at is the killer. Uh, and I, Guys, I tried so hard to see David Fincher's The Killer in a movie theater. I could not get in anywhere because I was trying to get in during the festivals. That sold out immediately. Then by the time it was in like a very limited run, I just like I couldn't see it anywhere. So I ended up watching it at home. Um, did it even get a theatrical run or did Netflix do the festivals and then straight to Netflix? I think it I was a straight to Netflix movie. It was just yeah. festivals. I, th I do think it was in the theater like very briefly, but it was like truly like one theater. It certainly didn't get a broad release. Um, so I really love this film. I think it's like, you know, Fincher in his bag, truly, where it's like, look, is it going back to Dune? A, a particularly deep character study. No, it's just a bunch of dope choreographed scenes uh, that are shot excellently dope action, uh, a really, really wry sense of humor, which I loved because you think like this trained assassin, Michael Fassbender is going to be this huge badass. And actually he's just like kind of an OCD asshole who <laughs> like this is his <laughs> job and he like does yoga while he's waiting to fucking kill someone and very, very dark sense of humor, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. And yeah, kind of a great example of like, well, shit, if Netflix is going to make films and these are the films they're making, okay. You know, unfortunately, yeah. the reality is that 90% of what they're going to put out is like reality television bullshit and then occasionally a David Fincher film. So they're like, look, we're still prestige, you know? Um, yeah. Go ahead. The Killer ended up on my uh, honorable mentions list great. Uh, because it was great, but it didn't 
crack it for me. Sure. My number nine is Fallen Leaves, which I watched ah. last night. And you know what? And- I saw too late to put on my honorable mentions, but I fully support that uh, being on your list. Go ahead before I... Yeah, I just thought it was beautiful. I mean, it is 80 minutes long. <laughs> Which it's I love. very short. I love. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, so first of all, we've got, okay, beautiful, thoughtful character study that's like this sort of weird, awkward romance with lonely people. It's just, it's so Finnish. I, it's just so Finnish. Mm-hmm. But really highly recommend it. If you've not gone out and done your movie free trial yet, it's 100% worth yes. using it to watch Fallen Leaves. It's just a, just a, just gorgeous. I thought it did for me what a lot of people said past lives did for them. I knew you were going to say that. And I 1000% agree. One thousand. I that love story crushed me, and also I thought it was really their chemistry was great, and I really bought into it. But yeah, I mean, apart from my love, my inherent love for Greta, because I feel like I am just now one of her army, and I'm like, I'll see you in anything, you know, Greta Lee. Yeah, Um, of course. Apart from that, yeah. What I felt in Fallen Leaves, I feel like a lot of people felt for past lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a uh, yeah, that's really what I thought. If you if and if you loved past lives, seek out Fallen Leaves because it's yes. going to do a very similar thing for you. And I think they make a fantastic pairing. Yeah, that, a that's feature. such a good call. That's such a good call. I agree. Uh, number eight for me, I got to go bottoms, baby. I got to put a comedy on this list. Um, oh, my God. I completely forgot about bottoms. I fucking yeah. loved that movie. This is going to be our problem this entire list. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of good shit that came out. Uh, bottoms by Emma Siegelman starring... Um, Io Adebere and uh, Rachel Sennett, in addition to a whole bunch of really great actors. But I, when I think of Bottoms, I really do think of Io first, possibly because this has just been like her fucking year and she's just killing it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But a legitimately hilarious film done really well, building to a moment that I was hoping they were building towards. And then when it happened, I was like, I can't fucking believe this movie is real. I love this. I had the best time watching this movie. We don't get enough middle budget comedies, let alone uh, directed and written by a woman starring two hilarious women. So if you haven't seen Bottoms yet, it's it's got to be streaming by now, I would imagine. Um, it is. Also, yeah. special mentions here for both Marshawn Lynch Formerly yep. of the Seattle Seahawks. Unbelievable. So funny. So random. So funny. So wonderful. This is just like, um, there's another film on my honorable mention list, um, Dick's the Musical, which is another great, great comedy that came out last year. Um, I had a similar experience watching Dick's and Bottoms. Ha <laughs> ha. You're welcome, everybody. Um, which is, I was like, I can't believe this got greenlit. And it's so weird and wonderful. And I'm just so happy it exists. So number eight bottoms, check it out if you have not already done so. Yeah. Um, where did I put my number eight? It's wow. mm. Wow. The level of unprofessionalism on display right now is quite frankly, breathtaking. 
Ah, now I can't find it. Um, How did you misplace number eight specifically? Because I changed my list at the last second and okay, screw it. I'm just adding one for my special mentions that I didn't think I, that I didn't actually want to take off. Okay. The boy and the heron because Miyazaki is a god. Do you want to hear something cray cray I have not seen yet? Oh, it is nowhere near as narratively cohesive as what you kind of think of if you think of Spirited Away or even Princess Mononoke, but it's beautiful and the guy is ancient and he said he'd retired and then he was like, nope, change my mind. Let's just make another movie that's unbelievably gorgeous and dreamlike and beautiful and if you watch the version that has English, uh, that is in English rather than the subtitled version, Robert Pattinson has an amazing vocal performance in it. <laughs> uh, just being a weird little guy, and that's like his thing. What now. a great choice! He's like a weird guy. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, for for whatever reason, when I was trying to find it, I couldn't buy it. I don't know. Maybe I was just like ahead of the the uh, streaming of it, but I, because I couldn't purchase it, I rewatched all of his other films uh, because I don't make it a secret that animation is not my strong suit. I have a hard time emotionally connecting with animation. Um, And I could appreciate all of his films as being like beautiful and masterfully done and like such a huge contribution to the world of animation. I don't think I've ever really emotionally connected with his stuff. Um, Well, that's, yeah. I've been a huge Miyazaki fan since I was in college. And Mm -hmm. I I won a month worth of free video rentals from the movie store here. And I think I rented like every single one of them. They had a flood. And so they had like a Titanic, like, drawing they had like a Uh special like we survived the flood um so i entered into a contest and i won a month for full of free so i watched like every wonkar Y that was available and (laughs) all of the miyazaki movies i could find so this is why i'm deeply miyazaki pills (laughs) yeah i mean the thing is i i think i would be too by now if i vibed with them on that level i just i just have a block i think for uh, animation. And I think because it's animated, it's, it's hard for me to like fully get into it, even though, uh, aesthetically I can always appreciate it. And whenever anybody's like, he's a a, a mastermind, I'm like, yes, obviously I'm not, I'm not fighting anybody on that. Like clearly in his genre, he's at the top of his game. Uh, I would just never put any of his films in like my top films of all time, you know? That's, Um, that's fair. Yeah. So number seven for me, talk to me. Got to get horror on here. That's Uh, my number seven. Holy shit. Amazing. Uh, So brought to us by the Filippo brothers. Talk about another introduction to monster talent. In addition to Sophie Wilde, who's the star of the film. This was not only my, one of my favorite films of the year, uh, probably my favorite horror film of the year. And, uh, yeah, it just, it has everything. I love the characters. I love the story. I love how it's filmed. Um, and I got to see it again because I meant to, 
watch it again. I just didn't have time. But uh, yeah, just so stylized. The music's great. And you actually care about the characters, which helps in a horror film because it gives everything weight and gravitas. So yeah, yes. do check out Talk to Me. Also, Sophie Wilde was in the now infamous BAFTA photo of yes. Prince William talking yeah. to Ayo Edabiri, uh, Sophie, the winner from How to Have Sex, and Phoebe Dynavore yeah. uh, talking about ma- just making a complete ass of himself. And her face is classic. So, you know, a brilliant performance by Sophie Wilde. Yes. Another fashion girly who's been killing it every red carpet. She looks fucking amazing, which I know some people are like, that's not important. I just love fashion. So if you are like an amazing actress and you kill it on the red carpet, I'm like, come on, come on, queen. Uh, So number seven. Number six. Well, seven. Yeah, seven. Oh, you're talking. Yes, yes, yes. So number six Uh, for me. Oh, do you want to go first? I was going to say I'll go first with six because – because we agreed. Uh, my number six was made December, which I thought was going to end up higher. Yeah. But ultimately, there were so many movies that I adored last year that it kind of just ended up there naturally. So May um, December for me is number two. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... I love May December. I know the tone really threw off a lot of people. I really thought that it worked for me, that sort of delicate balance of genuine tragedy and like black, pitch black comedy. Um, Sammy Birch, I think, is one of the most exciting new screenwriters that has emerged on the scene. I, speaking of people I usually don't like gel with emotionally, perhaps, Todd Haynes, uh, I, I loved this film by him. I love every frame and how he chose to shoot it. Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore and Charles Melton 100% understood the assignment. And yeah, I, I know Charles had some steam early on that seemed to have really like fallen off. Uh, but I thought, but I think that's because with- a lot of people couldn't quite figure out yes. the, they also couldn't deal with the tone. Yeah, and right. that is disappointing because it was, I just, I mean, it was a beautiful movie and it's so disturbing. Um, and I'll probably regret putting it this low on my list later on, but whatever, you know, as we said, please don't hold us to these. <laughs> Leave We're us doing alone. Our best. This was so emotional Look, guys, for us. Cinema is really back. Hey, it is overwhelming. Hey, were you about to bitch at us? Have you considered that we've never been more back and you should be excited instead? Think about it. Think about it. Number six for me, Godzilla minus one, baby. Ooh, that's my number four. All right. Pretty close. Uh, Yeah, this was a, a good fucking time. The best Godzilla film I've ever seen. Takashi Yamazaki brought it, baby. Again, there's going to be a common theme in my list. If I care about your characters, I care about your film. And Godzilla Minus One is maybe one of the best examples of how to create well-rounded characters within a huge disaster film so that the disaster matters because I don't want the characters to fucking die. (laughs) And also, (laughs) I'm just kind of a sucker for a film that 
is really good about showing male friendship in like a healthy, like a healthy male friendship kind of thing where it's like, hey, let's redefine toxic masculinity. And maybe you don't have to be a kamikaze pilot to be a man. I'm like, oh, you know, you never want to call a film important because is a, is a film ever important? You know, we could talk about it. Uh, but I just thought they were like very nobly trying to explore some bigger ideas within the framework of a Godzilla film where I was like, wow, guys, I really didn't expect you to do that. And that was amazing. And it, it's so beautiful. And they had a small v VFX team working on it that they managed to execute something better than a Marvel, which has thousands of overworked, underpaid artists working round the clock. They made a better film. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's an absolutely stunning achievement. It looks beautiful. You feel, I felt like I got a sense of the scale in a way that American Godzilla movies of the last several years have not given me. Um, it felt, I felt like I was afraid of how big he was, you know, as opposed to, yes, to yeah. just feeling like it was nowhere. And you're right about the male friendship. And in some ways, it's it's fascinating that a movie that has an instinctive distrust of tradition and institution and holds up community-based action as the solution to a huge problem. Like, think about what we've been taught and what cultures, like some of the cultural traditions that have come from Japan. It's revolutionary in some ways. Yeah. Uh, number five for me, I know I'm going to get shit from people because this is low, I think, for a lot of people. Oppenheimer, I put it five. Oppenheimer is at my five. Ooh, interesting. Okay, cool. I thought yours would be higher. Um, but yeah, I, no drag on the film at all. You know, like I'm a, a big Christopher Nolan fan. Speaking of this is why we go to the movies. Christopher Nolan understands why people go to the movies and he delivers. And that is why he has like a legion of, of adoring fans who will watch whatever he puts out, which is very amusing to me because it's like, because he did Batman, he got fanboys to turn out for Dunkirk and Oppenheimer, which is like <laughs> a borderline miracle. And it just speaks to the quality of what he puts out and how much people respect him that now they'll literally see whatever he does, which is very exciting. But yeah, uh, it's a it's visually beautiful. He uh, he's a gifted storyteller. He breaks down a very complicated idea uh, and delivers it in like stunning visuals. Cillian Murphy, wonderful, wonderful actor, finally getting his dues. And you know, just the phenomenon of Barbenheimer like has to be acknowledged, you know, like that was such a, a special magical moment. We've never been more back than ever after the pandemic. And it was very exciting to see very different audiences excited to be at the movies and supporting each other. I thought it was very beautiful. Yeah. Watching dudes in suits leaving 
Oppenheimer and IMAX and then getting themselves prepared to go in and see Barbie Love it. was a and, beautiful and, sight. And being genuinely excited, not like in any way kind of like, you know, condescending or pandering was just like, I love being at the movies. And, you know, when I went to go see Meredith in Wisconsin, I had my Barbenheimer shirt and like people were really excited. Like I got stopped so many times by people who were like, obviously very excited by the phenomenon too. They were going to go see the films and yeah, I, that was a really, really special moment that we're never going to get back in an authentic way again, because now everybody's trying to duplicate it. Anytime a film, like two disparate films are coming out on the same day, people are trying to make it happen again. And it's like, you're not going to make fetch happen, you know, like it's never going to happen again. So let's just remember Barbenheimer and like honor it as being like a very special time. And it was super fun. Everybody kept it positive and light. And yeah, uh, we're going to get into our Oscars list, but the, our best director, oh, best also, actor right there. Yeah. Yeah. And on Oppenheimer as well, special mentions to the fact that Nolan has a crew and, um, you know, editor, cinematographer, you know, the people he works with are unfailingly loyal to him. And he puts yeah. effort into... I mean, he switched around stuff for the budget so that they could actually shoot on location because he cared that much and was willing to make those choices. As someone who's doing a huge movie, this is a guy who simply loves cinema and is willing to make those calculations because he trusts the people on his team. And I think that's worth shouting out as well, just because it's so easy to get mired in being angry at studio executives. Yeah. And there are people out there who care enough to do that work and still make sure that it's as good as it can be. And to treat their teams with respect and their actors with respect, like that with Nolan and Denis, I think it is so wonderful that we have to, and, and like Greta too, we have these master filmmakers who also, from all accounts and everything I've heard, are very kind and professional and treat their teams with respect and don't scream at people. I think it's important to acknowledge that too, that you are, you are treating your teams well and you are still making high, high art. You don't have to be a fucking dick to people to make good art. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, spoiler, well, so already spoiler. Done, yeah. Spoiler yes. for number four for me is Barbie <laughs> because if, <laughs> if we're going to acknowledge like cultural impact and the whole Barbenheimer of it all, I got to put Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, number five, number four. And again, that those could easily switch on my list. It's not that I think Barbie's necessarily better than Oppenheimer or anything like that. In just my memory, I felt the same amount of glee and joy seeing Barbie with friends and, uh, being impressed once again by, you know, complicated ideas presented in, in visually interesting ways, joyful musical numbers, beautiful costumes. Um, this is why we go to the movies, right? I want to see yeah. Margot Robbie dressed as fucking Barbie doing elaborate dance number and, and being a stunning movie star. And uh, I want to see Ryan Reynolds as fucking uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God. Ryan Reynolds. Dear <sighs> God, I don't Allison. want to see Ryan <laughs> Reynolds, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to see Barbie and Ken, everybody. I want to see Barbie and Ken. Um, I had to put Barbie in my special mentions list, not because I didn't want to put it on my top 10, but because I physically cannot objectively evaluate 
anything about it since I saw it in a movie theater I had rented so that I could see it with friends. And so I had my own special sold out screening of Barbie. And that happened shortly after I had a really traumatic breakup. So my ability to evaluate on any scale (laughs) is hindered useless. Like I, I curated my own special Barbie experience. That means I know that it's great, but I can't put it anywhere on a list because it just exists separate. It is an experience for me rather than a film. I get that. Um, real quick tangent. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, uh, when you go to see Dune, you're going to get an IMAX. Are you seeing an IMAX? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to get an IMAX trailer for the fall guy. Uh, okay. And he's got the juice, man. He's got it. He's the world's most charming man. And oh, I, the one is that the one with him and Emily Blunt? Yes. And it looks, I've I've seen that, and it makes me smile. And yes. Like, oh God. Man, I just so... instantly started smiling, and I was like, "This looks great. It looks great." Yeah. Uh, again, why we go to the movies? I want to see Ryan Gosling be a charming stuntman who gets involved in insane shit. Like, I want to see that on a big screen. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, well, my number four was Godzilla minus one. Got it. Uh, my number three is Killers of the Flower Moon. Maybe uh-huh. you've heard okay. of it. Uh, I put that as my number two. My number three is Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall is on my best, uh, my honorable mention list. Um, what else can I say about Killers of the Flower Moon, guys? It's masterful craftsmanship. Uh, we love Marty. And... I think it's one of Leo's best performances. Very nervous. Lily Gladstone is about to lose the Oscar to Emma Stone. We'll talk about that later, but I think she should win for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I loved this movie. It's it's so ambitious. It's beautiful. It's Martin Scorsese completely in his bag, you know? Um, And it was one of, in my mind, it is in that, echelon of like why we go to the movies like there was that whole like we've got barbenheimer you know now we've got dune and now and then it was like we got a new marty movie it's like it's really really special and i know it's not getting as much recognition either in the in the box office or at the uh, the award shows as perhaps people would have liked but that doesn't diminish the achievement in my mind this is also very much the case with almost every Marty movie yeah. for quite a long time where sure. yeah. it is people love it. They say it's fantastic when it comes to awards, something else wins, but he, I, it's going to stand the test of time. And it's also n- really notable, I think, because it's Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance, actually watching him play a stupid coward was <laughs> The like incredibly satisfying. Yeah. After the career that he's had, I felt like, wow, you okay, you're doing the work. You make this believable. This is impressive. I do find it very commendable that he has very wisely tried to pivot hard away from like dreamboat matinee idol into like weird little character actor. Um I think he's very yeah. funny. Like when he's in Tarantino films, I think he's really, really funny. 
And I think it's so savvy of him to, because listen, we all get older, right? We all lose our looks. It's inevitable as opposed to getting like a bunch of weird plastic surgery done. No shade if you decide to go that route, whatever. But I'm glad he's just leaning into, okay, I'm getting older. I'm going to try to branch out in terms of what I can do as an actor. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, my number three is Anatomy of a Fall and I'm, maybe it's just Starring Messi, starring Messi, obviously. Starring Messi, yeah. I mean, part of it's the dog, part of it's because I am just so obsessed with Sandra Huller because what a year she had. What a year, my God. I... There were so many parts of this movie that I think of and laugh out loud, even though it's <laughs> unbelievably dark. And the, the music, obviously, being the music, uh, you know, the fact that they have a can you separate art from the artist debate <laughs> in court, in and court. it's like part of the record just yeah. delights me to no end. But I also felt, um, this is one of those movies I want to give to anyone who's ever dated a man who isn't shit. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. It is absolutely the kind of thing where if you've if you've dealt with that, Uh you feel it in your bones. And not only do you wish that she had killed him and managed to get away with it, you understand why there was tension. It feels so real. Um, and the the climactic fight is one of the most impressive pieces of writing that I've ever seen that is then portrayed in a really fascinating way. Um, Justine Trier does a breakdown of a scene on the New York Times of that fight scene that she, and she describes it in a really fascinating way about how you take, how they shift to the fight that's in the past from the courtroom and then shifting back. Um, It just is fantastic. Um, And also great performance by the kid and Messi, the dog is just a superstar and I hope I see him in future films. God, what a weird thing to say. I have (laughs) so many photos of that dog saved on my phone. It looks like not only was he my dog, but he died recently and I am like (laughs) memorializing him. It's weird. I thought about that the other day where I'm like, if anybody finds my phone and needs to unlock it for like an emergency, they're going to be like, Allison loved Messi. And they would be right quite frankly. Um, yeah. My number two was May, December, which we already spoke on. Yeah. And my number two was Killers of the Flower Moon. Right. Uh, my number one. And then my number one was, yeah. Yeah, you go. Yes. Oh, like, my number one was Zone of Interest, which we've already talked about. <gasps> That's right. That's right. Uh, my number one is Poor Things. Um, which I still haven't been able to get to see, which is why it's not on my list. It has a, it is a specific special mention that I think it will be my number one film of 2023 <laughs> once I finally see it. Yeah. But I can't in good conscience put it at number one That's without fair. having watched it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> we both adore Yorgos Lanthimos's films, uh, his whole body of work. So it was not, this was before I had seen it, I was like, this is going to be my favorite film of the year just because it was a perfect storm of factors like the story. I love Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, like the cast top to bottom truly is like a, a plus. Um, and I love your ghost. So I just, from the first preview I saw, I was like, this is going to be my favorite film of the year. Guess what it was? Um, it's beautiful. It's so deeply, deeply weird. 
Uh, and Emma Stone gives one of the best physical comedic performances I've ever seen. I will not be mad if Emma Stone beats Lily Gladstone. I, it's just, and I spoke on this before in my mind, it's that sort of debate between are we awarding most acting versus quality of acting? Cause Lily Gladstone has a very quiet interior performance and Emma gets to do everything and she does it perfectly. It's it's when I hate the Oscars because I'm like, I don't know how you compare these performances. Just give it to them both. And I know nobody wants that, but I'm like, I don't know how you compare these two. I I adore both of these performances. Poor things. My favorite film of the year, everybody. And I, it's just, Yorgos is amazing. And I think it's fascinating. Some people that I really love and respect despised this movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, the arguments over its depictions of sorry, I'm about to get droned. Um, <laughs> the the fact that people approach the sex and the themes of women's independence from such different perspectives and end Oof. up at such different conclusions. It worries me a little fascinating bit. To it me. does worry me a little bit in terms of like, and I, I promise you, I'm not concerned trolling. I, I just know very smart people who had wild takes about this film where I'm like, I worry about media literacy <laughs> where I'm like, <laughs> how did y'all make this into a film about a woman who has a baby brain who is being like assault? Like the, the takes I've seen on this are so upsetting mm-hmm. and so wild where I'm like, first of all, you know it's supposed to be like, uh, like not a literal tale, right? Like it, it, it's a fairy tale. She's supposed to be maturing very, very quickly. So she's not a woman with a baby brain having sex. By the time she has sex, she's a grown woman. Um, right. It, it's a parable. You know, like it concerns me a little bit when like professional movie critics to seem to be unable to interpret any kind of art other than like a very literal take where I'm like, I don't know if you're in the right job. (laughs) Well, and I had questions about people's talking about this story about a woman becoming empowered through like learning, leaning into her sexuality and well, but it's made by a man and it's doing this. And I'm like, do you think Emma Stone wasn't extremely involved? It's really insulting. It's like very Um, insulting, especially because we have her on tape with Yorgos talking about how involved she was in the creation of this character. And also talking passionately about how much she loves working with Yorgos because he allows her the space to do all of these weird things and get as an, and explore these things. This woman is super involved and super curious about asking some of these questions and then trying to answer them through her performances. They've also been so clear. Like Yorgos, I think verbatim said, this is not a story about all women. This is Bella's story. So if you don't feel like you discovered your empowerment through sex, that's valid. Bella did. And it's like, yeah, like since when do films have to represent everyone (laughs) you know where it's like if anything (laughs) I I watch films because I want a very specific viewpoint you know like 
I don't expect this film, this one film I'm about to watch to represent all of humanity. That would be impossible. I want to watch Bella's story. And this is Bella's story. And it's a fucking wild ride. I loved it. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. We got to move on to the Oscars. We're, listen, we're going to go right. over. Let's just acknowledge it. Uh, it's okay. We're all going to be all right. We're only going to do the main categories, okay? That's so fine. let's start. Um, we'll do screenplay. Uh, and then we'll move into the acting categories, the main acting. Uh, best original screenplay. We've got uh, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, Past Lives. I'm going to give it to Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. And I will too. It def- It's won all the awards. I think my, I would give it to May, December if I had a choice, even just because I wish, I think I want Sammy Birch, but she'll be back. Um, yeah. And she's Justine so Trier, young. Yeah. 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 Justine Trier has been giving some very funny speeches. Uh, so she probably won't do what she did at the BAFTAs, which was suggest if I ever kill my screenwriting partner, <laughs> um, this wasn't a confession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, because of course, keeping with the theme of that film, they would use it against her in court. Um, Best Adapted Screenplay, we have American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, The Zone of Interest. I would love to see it go to court for American Fiction. I'm going to give it to Oppenheimer, though. Yeah, I think it's going to go to Oppenheimer. And again, I would also love to see it go to American Fiction because Cord Jefferson, um, we didn't actually know him when he was a struggling blogger in the Gawker universe, but he was close <laughs> enough to our orbit that we feel very protective of him and want him to win everything all the time. I think we uh, were like in light <laughs> touch on Twitter, but I didn't know him in the blogging days. I like knew him a little after the blogging days, but uh, yeah, I definitely was, uh, he was around at a time at times when like he might show up to a party I was at a hundred percent before yes. he got there kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and in the universe of the Oscars that counts as knowing someone and means <laughs> that we have to personally support them in Hollywood. That means he is our brother and we will, uh, die for him apparently we are like very good <laughs> friends with court jefferson uh it's not true but i wish him the best and he's such an exciting talent so best supporting actress we've got emily blunt for oppenheimer danielle brooks the color purple american ferrera barbie wildly uh jodie foster naiad also pretty wild and david Devine joy randolph for the holdovers has any actor ever dominated a category as hard as Devine has best supporting actress this Oscar season. <laughs> there have probably been a couple more in the best supporting actress category, but not in a way that she, the specific way that she has dominated. Gosh, she is a joy to watch except awards. And she was fantastic in that movie. I loved the holdovers and spent most of it just ugly crying because I love a movie about teachers and educators and feeling sad and alienated and whatever, because I'm weird. Um, <laughs> and she just gave a, an amazing performance. She did. She was so great. I am on record as being uh, lukewarm on the holdovers. I was not as into it as other people, but she made me cry. Um, I'm so glad that she's like burst onto the scene in this way where I want her in every awards season. She's just a fucking joy. 
she ran a, a seamless campaign and she's going to win. And I'm so and happy for every her. Every single thing she wears, any press event, fire, any fire. award show, absolutely incredible. Whoever is working with her. Isn't it Coleman I Domingo's hope. stylist? Oh God! Well, that would make sense. I thought it. I that, thought it was the same person. Maybe not, but she. Well, if it is the same person, that stylist needs to be on everybody's first call list because, oh my God, unbelievable! <laughs> yeah, um, I'm so happy for her. So, best supporting actor: Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction; Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon; Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer; Ryan Gosling, Barbie; Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. I think this one, this category, is also a lock uh, for Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer. Yeah, and I'm not mad about it. And it doesn't seem like yeah. anybody who else who is nominated is mad about it either. Sterling K. Brown has said publicly, look, I know I'm going to lose, but it's good. It's like, it's pretty big deal to go and lose to Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Sometimes it's <laughs> nicer. I that was a great, yeah. Sometimes I've heard that it's like nicer to go into it knowing you're going to lose because you can just relax and not stress and like, especially if you're a new actor, like Hobnob with like all of these legends and there's no pressure. So yeah, I, Sterling K. Brown's nomination was a surprise. I was so glad because he is such a force in American fiction and criminally underused actor, um, as Jeffrey Wright is. So yeah, I'm just thrilled. Everybody's getting attention for that film, but yeah, I think it it's time for Robert Downey Jr., um, yeah. And, and he's, he's been doing great. Obviously people love him. He's done, his speeches have been lovely. This is, it is going to be a beautiful moment when he accepts it. And Ryan Gosling's going to perform at the Oscars. So we're still <laughs> going to get plenty of Ryan Gosling. I wonder how he <laughs> feels about that because like, you know, he's a Disney kid. So he's got that, he's got that dog in him to perform. Uh, and he did kind of ask for it. Like he was baiting the Oscars when reporters would ask him, like, are you going to perform? He's like, well, nobody's called me yet. So, but also that's really intimidating. And sometimes there are like tech issues and you can't hear yourself singing live, you know? So I'm, I'm curious how it's going to go. I don't know. I'm still looking forward to it. I think he's going to eat it. Like, I think he's going to do great, but, um, yeah, I'm wondering if he's a little like, fuck, <laughs> you know? like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Uh, probably not. Actors are, you you have to believe, you have to be a crazy narcissist to be an actor. You just have to believe in yourself all the time. Uh, so I've probably- seen those behind the scenes videos of him rehearsing for the filming of it. Dude's going to do great. Yeah. Uh, best actress. We have Annette Benning for <laughs> Nyad Wild. Uh, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hewler, Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro. <laughs> Uh, and Emma Stone for poor things. I'm not laughing at Carrie Mulligan. I, she was the best part of Maestro. Maestro's not a good film. Uh, unfortunately, even though I love her, I'm saying, unfortunately, I want it to be Lily Gladstone. I think Emma Stone's going to take it for poor things, even though, uh, Lily did just get recognized at SAG, uh, which she really, really needed. Um, and, a lot of people believe is giving her momentum into the Oscars. I think Emma's going to take it. I do too. And I'm also disappointed by this because I think the killers of the flower moon wouldn't have worked at all if they hadn't completely rewritten the story 
to center around Lily Gladstone's character. And if she hadn't given such a carefully constructed interior performance. And you're completely right that Emma's performance in Poor Things, I mean, just from seeing the trailer, she's doing a lot. And But also she's a known quantity. People love her. She's had a great year. And she's wonderful at the campaigning element of it. So it does seem really likely that she's going to walk away with it. Look, was she just in The Curse, a show about a white woman who appropriates uh, Native American (laughs) culture and is a culture vulture? Yes. Is she about to take the Academy Award (laughs) from a Native American actress? Perhaps. Should anyone be mad (laughs) at Emma Stone for that reason? No. And I'm sure Lily will be the first to congratulate her and all that good stuff. Uh, Be nice to Emma. It's not her fault. Uh, She just did a great job and is probably going to get yeah. awarded for it. Um, but to I me, mean, potentially this is you know, the there's, this is the downside of us being more back than we've ever been. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> With like our cup runneth over. What a problem to have. We're trying to decide between Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone. Like my God. Right. Um, And it's just, again, illustrative of the fact that, like, are awards ultimately stupid for art? Yeah, because how do you compare these two? Should one go over the other? No. But we just have to. That's the nature of the beast. Um, And, yeah, potentially that category, Best Actress, is, in my opinion, the one that is is ripe for the, the biggest, like, holy shit moment. Like, if, yeah. if, if Lily wins... Not only will I think Emma be ecstatic for her, but I think a lot of people will be like pretty surprised because it feels like it's swinging in in Emma's direction right now. Yeah. Um, so best actor, we've got Bradley Cooper for Maestro. I'm going to laugh every time. <laughs> uh, Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Another wild, wild. I love Coleman, but wild. Uh, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. This one could also potentially be a, a an upset. Golden Derby still has it for Giamatti. I, I, I think it's going to go Cillian, but I would not be surprised in the slightest if it went to Paul because they seem like pretty neck and neck right now. Yeah, and there's been. The back and forth, because obviously Paul won for when at the Golden Globes for musical or comedy, and then Killian won for drama. Um, and there's been a lot of side by side stuff. I would be surprised if Killian didn't win. But again, I thought Giamatti did amazing work in the holdovers and is just such a lovely presence. Um, also, you're actually Irish. Why do you say Cillian? I've heard it both ways from Irish people. <laughs> I've heard Cillian and I've heard Killian. Um, and I just, I guess I've been calling him Cillian longer, but yeah, I, I, I'll switch to Killian, but yeah, I, I've, I've heard both. Um, yes. Well, but okay. It's Kieran Hines, yeah. not Siren Hines. So why would it be Cillian and not Killian? Anyway, know. this is not important. I'm just giving you shit because I can. Um, so we're both, we're in agreement. We're saying Killian. Yes. Okay. We're both saying Killian. Yeah. Uh, so best director, Jonathan Glazer, The Zone of Interest, Yorgos, Poor Things, Nolan, Oppenheimer, Marty, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Justine Triette for Anatomy of a Fall. 
Uh, surprise, surprise. I'm going Nolan for Oppie. Yeah, it's going to be Christopher Nolan. He's won everything and you just can't be mad. He made, I mean, he made a billion dollars off a three hour movie about the creator of the atomic bomb. That is really good. You know, what's my observation about this Oscars? We've never been more back, but this is a pretty boring season of the Oscars. I, I think just because the clear front runners emerged so early that it's been it's been a slog this season and I'm a little afraid we're not going to have a holy shit moment I don't need anybody to get hit at the Oscars that's not what I mean by a holy shit moment I mean in terms of like a parasite moment you know it feels pretty clear that Oppie's gonna run run house and not that they don't deserve it. It's just been a little anticlimactic this season. Um, we can hold out for somebody mentioning Gaza. Ooh, true. Um, God, who would it be if they did mention it? It would be Lily or Justine. I was going to say Justine. Justine's uh, more likely because yeah. she's a white woman with privilege and she's already pissed off Macron. Um, and Lily has things to say about the American genocide I was of say, like, how our much, indigenous peoples. How much work does Lily have to do when she wins things? She's got to be like, okay, let me represent all peoples right now. <laughs> um, Although to be fair, that is how we treat people from marginalized communities when they get into the spotlight. So that is true. Uh, that's not her job, everybody. She's an actress. Uh, best picture. We got American fiction, anatomy of a fall, Barbie, the holdovers, killers of the flower moon. We got maestro. We got Oppie. We got past lives. We got poor things. We got the zone of interest guys. We've never been more back. Look at those films. Uh, Oppie. It's Oppie. It's going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the first year I think we've ever done where you and I agreed top to bottom. This one, it just, it, you're right. It has been a really a little boring, boring, a little boring. And that's yeah, okay. Because again, it doesn't mean that these films are boring or these actors are boring. It's just, we had our clear front runners and they stayed our front runners. And when that happens in an Oscar season, it's a little, it's a little anticlimactic, but guess what? We don't fucking know. There might be huge surprises. That's why you got to watch baby. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, this is just a tangent. I'm very excited to see Billie Eilish win a second Oscar when she's still in her extremely early 20s because you, I think know, the best original song is a lot. Do you know? I, I completely <laughs> agree with you, but do you know people are very anti that song? Really? They think I can't they think listen it's to it on the radio. It is, of course, it's a downer. It's called What Was I Made For? But I think there is a fair critique that the Oscars tends to go moody ballad over, say, like, I'm just Ken, which, yeah, because it's Barbie. I'm like, okay with a woman being recognized over (laughs) like a male performer. (laughs) Like, I think otherwise it would sort of be like uh, bad. Uh, But a lot of people just find that song to be kind of not me. I'm not talking about myself. If I felt this way, I would say I feel this way. I have heard other critics say it's like this downer of a song and like an otherwise very like positive, upbeat film. And that's why the Oscars is like, that's the serious song that we're going to recognize. Oh, see, I I wanted to win because every time it comes on the radio, I start 
ugly crying. Like <laughs> when I'm like, I'm driving and it yeah. comes on the ra- like radio and like, I start crying it's because beautiful I'm, like, and her voice is yeah. heartbreaking. Like they're so also good a at movie that. about a movie about Barbie should have a song that is essentially Jesus Christ being a woman is impossible. Like, well, yeah, of course, especially apologies, guys. <laughs> yeah, given that the film is about her, you know, gaining sentience and like you know becoming a real woman like you need a song like that you need her journey song in in disney lingo uh but i just love billy and phineas i think they're little fucking weirdos and seem very kind and and wonderful so i'm always pro them winning all the awards yeah look and the pictures of her with messy at the oscar nominees (laughs) lunch are so good I always and know I I'm going to be friends yeah. with someone if they go to a party and the first thing they do is find a dog. And then they are like <laughs> with the dog for a while. I'm like, that is a very special kind of anxiety that I understand where it's like, I can't deal with the humans right now. I'm going to ease myself into this social situation through the dog. I'm like, 100%. I get it. Guys, we only went seven minutes over. That's not bad. Well, yeah, we also completely excised our sure did. 12 to 14 special mentions Was there section, anything so. on the list from your very, very special mentions? Should we just go through them real quick? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, okay. And then uh, stop me if you want to discuss anything or circle back. So here are yeah. mine, okay? All of Us Strangers, Anatomy of a also Fall. Also on mine. Great. Anatomy of a Fall, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Past Lives, American Fiction, Priscilla, When Evil Lurks, Infinity Pool, Bo is Afraid, Dick's the Musical, No Hard Feelings, Wonka, Sick. That is shockingly similar to mine. Really? I included, yeah, it is. It includes, I mean, Past Lives, When Evil Lurks, All of Us Strangers. Um, There were several others. The ones that ended up on mine that I would mention... Uh, specifically Blackberry because we oh, need to appreciate Glenn Howerton's performance in that. Ugh, and I'm so annoyed I, I need Blackberry. Uh, and it's it's passable. It's perfectly serviceable as a film, but his performance is so incredible. And yeah. there is a moment when he yells, get off the fucking internet <laughs> that <laughs> needs to be everywhere. Listen, Uh, I understand that like, it's not good to praise that kind of toxic male rage, but when it's performed by Glenn, it's whether he's Dennis or he's in Blackberry, it's so funny. And he does it so well that I'm like, he's got to be a movie star. We got to keep putting him in shit. Yeah. It's just elite in a way that needs recognition. Um, Society of the Snow is also on my special mentions because I finally was able to watch that. And then uh, John Wick 4, because uh, specifically because Bill Skarsgård's performance as a fancy, fancy boy <laughs> made me laugh so, so hard. You look <laughs> so hot in that film. And listen, yeah. I know people are down on The Crow because we hate remakes, and that's a really special movie to a lot of people, the original. Uh, he's an attractive man, okay? And we just got to recognize that as a culture. Yeah, we we really do. 
Also, when it comes to The Crow, that movie that is special to so many people was radically reworked because Brandon Lee was killed so early in production that they needed to completely change everything in order to work around him. So there is potential for this to be a radically different movie that uses Bill and FKA Twigs in a really interesting way. So, you know, looking forward, it could be good. And I'm somebody who really desperately loves the original. Um, But let's see, do I have anything else that was on here that really worked for me? Oh, yes. Also, I did put Megan on my special mentions list, Ah, even though I know you hate it. I don't hate it. I was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. No, I I loved it for the dance scene, the dance kill scene with the paper cutter um, because it's set to Scat Brothers Walk the Night, a truly dirty, filthy, gay song. And uh, Ronnie Chang's performance in particular, because he's so funny and the way that he delivers the line. He's great, yeah. Even if even if the kids don't have dead parents, <laughs> he was so great. good. No, the thing, I really liked his performance. I really liked Allison Williams' performance, too. I thought she was great. Um, yeah. You just don't like James Wan. I really don't. I really don't. I don't think I've ever liked any of his films. Um, and we yeah. diverge so strongly here that I completely understand yeah, that I yeah, will, yeah. you know, I have to shout it out for sure. Yeah. Uh, great list. Uh, if anybody needs me to post it, I shall, I took notes. Yeah, guys, I hope you, uh, watch the Oscars and have a great time. God, I hope you're going to watch the Oscars after listening to this. What if they're like not into the Oscars and you just like, you're sick. You're sick if you well, listen to this. they could spend the time watching the movies we just talked about for an hour. At least do that. Because, like, who fucking cares about the Oscars, really? We do. But no healthy person. So do check out the films that we talked about. Um, probably if we if we mention them, there's a previous episode where we talked about them a little more in depth. You can check out. Go listen to all the episodes. I think they're all great. Uh, Follow us on wherever we're still on social, uh, Instagram. Instagram and Letterboxd, basically. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I always forget Letterboxd when it's the most important one. Go follow us on Letterboxd and follow Light Trees and News on the socials. If you like this show, if you're a fan and you want to hear more episodes, go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button so I can keep paying Meredith and hosting fees and all that stuff. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>